Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show. It is show number 52, and yes, we made it one full year doing the show. Very excited that it is our one-year anniversary, uh, show number 52 here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, and I couldn't have a better guest with me today to bring in the year anniversary of the show. Director of Port Jervis Recreation, John Faggione, is our guest. He's going to be coming up shortly here on the program and thrilled to have such a high-quality character of a guest as well as uh, um, his position in the community, which is going to be my opening theme that we're going to talk about. So excited to be here. Welcome to the program, everyone, and uh, let's get started. Uh, I do want to start with today's sponsor. Uh, they've been on the show before, the Coaching and Leadership Journal. Here it is here. This is uh, published by my friend Dan Spanauer in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, the leadershippublishingteam.com is their website. This is a fantastic resource. Uh, I have a, a community leader on today. I also have uh, one of the area's best coaches. Uh, got to the state championship this year, girls softball. Um, and even Coach Fagione was looking at this uh, to – um, as a resource here. So there's over 20 stories, uh, just absolutely fantastic information in here. And we appreciate uh, the Coaching and Leadership Journal sponsoring the show. Um, there is a uh, discount code. If you do want to order, you can go on leadershippublishingteam.com uh, and the code is ELB20. That's ELB20 you will get a 20% discount off the annual rate. It's a buck 49 a year. You get 12 of them. Fantastic resource for leaders, for coaches. Uh, so give them a try today and uh, check out Dan's website, theleadershippublishingteam.com. Dan Spanauer, great stuff. Thanks, Dan. Let's get to it today. Um, I advertised yesterday on Father's Day also. Uh, if you're interested in ordering a copy of my book, here it is. And uh, I would love for you to get a copy. Mr. Bellantoni, I did my internship with you. You're watching the program today, many years ago. And uh, here it is. We are offering 25% off the principal. That is from now until July 1st. And you can email me, Andrew Marotta, LLC at gmail.com. That's Andrew Marotta, LLC at gmail.com. 25% off the book until July 1st to get rolling. So let's get started. Uh, as I mentioned, John Fagione, our guest, is coming on here today, and I wanted to talk about community. John is a coach. John is a leader in the community. He's the director of Port Jervis Recreation, and I am really blessed to really split my time between two communities. I work here in Port Jervis, New York. We're in the Port Jervis Library. I'm uh, very grateful for their time and space here, uh, but I also live across the river in, in beautiful Milford, Pennsylvania. And my heart is, is in both communities. Uh, after I left Staten Island, New York, I fell in love with these communities. And I'm blessed to, to have two 
uh, communities. So in preparing and reflecting on today's show, you know, what makes a community, right? Think about all the factors that go into a successful community or an unsuccessful community. And I live in two successful ones and beautiful ones. And we have our challenges and issues just like anywhere in the country. Um, but what makes the community? I jotted down some things. Certainly being a school leader, I say, hey, the schools, the businesses, the police, the youth, the people, the leadership of the community, right? There's other aspects that are in there, uh, uh, you know, traditions of the community, the locations, all of those things. But these are the things that I jotted down as the mainstays of the community. Certainly where we live uh, in, in Northeast Pennsylvania and, and uh, Western Orange County, the dynamic of Pennsylvania being right across the river with no toll and the businesses there and the tax rate, that affects our community. John's shaking his head next to me. Um, you know, that that affects our community. Um, but I'm going to talk to John about this. And, and as a leader in the community, I'm lucky to know him. But I in my phone and I talk about this in my book, in my phone, I have the mayor's number. I have the chief of police number, certainly the superintendent, business owners. These are important connections for me as a community leader uh, to have uh, and, and good relationships to have with those people. It's important for me. You know, I see Ms. Addy here. She's a community leader and uh, someone who's very involved with our youth in the community at the youngest ages up to our, our cheerleaders. And, uh, but having those people and having relationships with those people in my life and my role as principal of the school is very important. I jotted down a couple of notes here also. We recently had Louvelle Brown on, uh, who is the superintendent of schools of Ithaca schools in Ithaca, New York. And when I asked him about his job, he said he's a dad first, a community leader second, and a school superintendent third. I thought that was very powerful, that his focus on the community and um uh, you know, is in front of being a superintendent. I think that was very important and uh, just absolutely uh, an important component of his job there in, in Ithaca, New York. Additionally, I grew up in Staten Island. I've talked about my dad and, and mom on the show. Um, my dad was the community board chairman, and I watched him dedicate a lot of his time, a lot of his energies into uh, the community and, and doing good things for the community. Um, he fought to, to, to clean the place up. He fought to get the people in the right positions and uh, just did a lot of great work in, the, in that community. Additionally, one of the things I like to focus on in, in the school is the broken window theory. If you haven't heard of that, if you don't know what that is, certainly you can Google it just like you could Google anything out there. Uh, but I follow that broken window theory that if there is something out of place, if there is something broken, something worn down in the schools, I feel it's very important to get it fixed right away, right? Whether it's a raggedy bulletin board, whether it's a broken sidewalk, our team just fixed the sidewalk in front of the school. Um, I feel it's very important to get those things fixed because it's contagious. And um, if you don't fix those things, it sets a tone in the area that, it's okay to have a broken sidewalk or litter on the ground or graffiti. You got to get those things fixed and cleaned up because it is 
contagious. And, and I think that's very uh, important to get those, those things fixed. So that's going to be the theme of today's show about your community and investing in your community. And whether you're a leader, whether you're an educator, a parent, whomever you are listening to this show, think about your investment and your involvement in the community and what is it that you're doing. Do you volunteer at a local pantry? Do you go support the local uh, teams? Uh, Watching Coach Fagione have that run to the state championship this year, there were so many people that don't even have children on the team that just go to support the community, really. They're fans of the program. They're fans of baseball, but they're coming to support the school and the community. So many of our people go to the musicals at my school and in, in the community, and it's they come year after year. They spend their money, and they come. That's an important component of the community. And whether you're in a big, big, big city, New York City, some of these other areas, Philadelphia, you know, or we're in a small town, uh, America, like here in Port Jervis or in Milford, um, that is a very important component of leadership, and it's something that I take very seriously. Uh, I've been to a number of functions with Coach Fagione, uh, whether he was coaching or uh, as his role as the director of Port Jervis Recreation. Uh, very important. So that being said, let's bring Coach Fagione in on the program. Coach, why don't you slide next door? Let me get rid of that gum. Here he is. It's a little tight knit here. We're, we're good friends. We can sit close to each other. There you go. Here he is, everyone. Welcome to the program, Coach Faggio. Good afternoon. Great to be here. Yeah. Nice to finally be here. Way too long to wait a whole year to have you on. Absolutely. But I'm glad to be your one-year guest. One-year anniversary guest, that is. I hope uh, your brother Tom doesn't bust your chops about that. He got on a little early. I'm sure he will. <laughs> His twin brother, Tom Faggio, is a, a friend of the program and uh, certainly someone uh, um, that has supported the program. So, Coach, it's great to have you on. Um, we're going to get into a lot of things, but I know uh, you moved up here as a young child from, from the Queens area. You went back to St. John's. What brought you back to, to work in this community? Did you think about staying back down in the city? What brought you back here? Never thought about staying in the city. Uh, we Moving up here at five years old, this was my community. I didn't really know much about New York City. I was too young to remember. Okay. So coming, all I knew was small town in the USA. Did not adjust a bit the big city life at all. Just wasn't for me. I love the small town atmosphere. And I knew when I graduated, I'd be in some small town. Wasn't sure where, but I knew it would be a small town. And and what brought you back to Port Jervis? Well, I think familiarity, comfortable with with my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my family was still here. And uh, that was big, a big part of it as well. I had two younger sisters who were uh, still in school. So that was a big part of it. And, and my father, my mother passed away when we, I was a freshman in high school. So my father being home, uh, that helped us help me help my decision coming home. And um, and to be honest, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do after college. Most some people are, some people aren't, and uh, need to kind of find my way still. So coming home was comfortable for me. And um, again, it was a small town, and so again, I had no doubt I'd be in that small town. And now you're the uh, director of recreation, uh, involved in all aspects of our youth. You know, tell me about your role as a leader in this community, and and why is that important to you? Well, I think it's very important because I don't work in the schools. I work for the, for the city. So it allows me the opportunity to work with kids in a different atmosphere. Uh, when there's no school, there's a lot of idle time. So we have to provide some entertainment activities for the children. And in a small town, if you don't provide activities or have activities available, kids can get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So we're trying to kind of fill the void when they're out of school, especially next week with summer starting. 
they're going to be home all day or yeah. at least out of school all day. So we're going to really work hard to provide activities, entertainment, some structure, some discipline, and most importantly, some fun over the next 10 weeks. So give me some examples of what, what some of those programs are going to be. Well, we're going to have four different locations. We have an indoor location right next door to the library here, the youth center. And then we have three playgrounds where kids can go all day long. We'll have supervisors at the playgrounds from 9 a.m. till 3.30, Monday through Friday. Wow. So for six and a half hours, your kid can be entertained um, and I can also be fed. We'll do a free lunch program as well. At the parks? At the parks and at the youth center. So you bar- you're barbecuing? What, what we're, we're not doing? barbecuing. We, yeah, we work with the school district. We okay. work together and oh. school prepares lunches for us. We pick them up and we d- distribute them to all locations. So I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's a great program. We've been doing it for 18 years now, and it's uh, it's fantastic for the kids. It's all funded through the state education department. That's great. I but we, we need to provide activities for the kids. They need something to do. And we, again, we fill that void. And, you know, we love doing what we do, different activities every different day. And, John, involved in running all these things, you know, tell me your style of leadership. You know, I know you as an easygoing guy. I've seen you run events where they are well-planned, well-organized. You're a great communicator. Tell me about your style of leadership. You know, I thought about that. You know, I think I'm pretty much a Democratic type of leader. Um, I like input from my staff. I like input from the community. Uh, I'm not a, a very egotistical individual. I don't know everything. So I'd love to take advice, suggestions from my staff, and then we come to great conclusions. So sometimes their suggestions are great. Sometimes uh, I got to go with my thoughts and my suggestions. But I like working with the, with my staff. Uh, it gives them a feeling of purpose. Um, they get the, they get the feeling that they're not being told what to do, but they're involved in the process. And I've got great staff. I really do. They do a great job. They support me, and they come up with some great ideas. So uh, having them and being a democratic leader and getting them involved to me is very important. How uh, how many people that you have working with your group? Year-round, uh, we have about five. But in okay. the summertime, we'll jump up to almost 30 people. We have different programs, different events. So we'll have maintenance workers. We'll have lifeguards. We'll have supervisors. We'll have uh, recreation specialists. So close to 30 in the summer. John, dealing with the youth in, in, in the summer, right, so many things could go wrong. Uh, a kid gets injured. Uh God forbid, a, a drowning on the river, that kind of stuff. Tell me about dealing with issues that pop up and, and crises, events uh, in this. Tell me about you know, managing those situations. When I'm interviewing, I, we look for strong individuals. We look for uh, children, not children, kids and adults who are independent, who are quick thinkers, um, who are uh, highly motivated. Um, I look for that for as, as an employee. When we get our staff, we always look, we have staff meetings. And we go over all those situations uh, as far as the unex- unexpected accidents, unexpected incidents. Uh, we talk about how we're going to handle those. We have a emergency uh, card for everyone to call phone numbers, my phone, the police department, ambulance. So we go over everything that could happen. And then I explain to my staff a lot, this might not have happened here, but I'm sure at some place it's happened. How are we going to handle it? Mm-hmm. So we try to be proactive so that if it does happen, we're not panicking and we're going to handle the situation with calm and ease. And is there like a Monday morning meeting, like, you know, staff meeting, 7.30 before all the activities start? Is that something that you... Absolutely. Every Monday morning, 8.30, we get together as a staff. We go over the weekly events. Well, we uh, turn in any kind of incident reports that might have happened the week before. We go over our kids to watch list in case kids are not uh, following the rules and regulations that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we just kind of go over any situations that might happen, the weather, any special events coming up. Um, just so that everyone is aware of what's going on. And we, again, we're working with college kids. So they're still just st- starting to learn how to become adults. And 
um, you know, I've been, I've been very lucky to have great staff and, uh, um, you know, they work hard and then and I don't think they want to disappoint me. Um, and I know that they don't want to disappoint uh, the kids at the parks either. Well, and again, talking about the community, right? You know, so many of these kids from school, players of yours, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a great relationship. You mentioned familiarity, right? That could be a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, in meeting great people and, uh, I mean, we hired one of your former players uh, uh, as a PE teacher at my school, right? When Coach Faggione says this kid is great, like that is a, a strong statement to us uh, to know that person. And I guess those are some of the good things about the community and the relationships that we have with not only one another, but also the other community leaders. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, uh, we strive to teach our kids to be strong leaders from the beginning. Uh, we, don't want, we don't want to tell them all growing up do their best and and uh and be the best you can and then uh, when you were ready for adulthood that we're not gonna remember who you are now we, we yeah. want to come back and community invest in here okay john tell me about developing new programs right we're trying to do the best for our youth in this community across the river the, the world is changing right the internet phone social media how do you find new programs and develop new things for our kids for me it's working with other rec departments I've got a close relationship with the Middletown Recreation Department, Christine Brinkerhoff. Uh, she's been doing the job as long as I have. Fantastic individual, knows her job, loves her job. Um, I'm part of the uh, New York State Parks and Recreation Association, part of the Hudson Valley Recreation Association. So always take a lot of ideas from them. Uh, one of the things, that one of the terms I like to use is don't reinvent a wheel. So if they've got projects or they've got programs or activities that work, we'll try them here. We'll see how they work here. And if, if they go off great, Kudos to them for help. Let me know. Um, so yeah, we, we we I use resources a lot. Yeah, uh, I'm not you know. So some I might come up with a lot of my programs have not been made up by myself. I found them from other different pro programs, organizations that work well. Yeah, and what about um, what about John? Like we have a something here that they don't have. We have the Delaware River, uh, this new water park uh, that that's coming. You know, tell me about that and, and what is that going to mean for the youth of Port Jervis. Well, the White, White Water Park is a long ways away right now, unfortunately. Uh, there's a lot of uh, government red tape. Hurdles, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of hurdles. But what it can do is it will create a lot more tourism to our community. Uh, people who want to kayak and now also hike have a destination to go to. Uh, that, in turn, will, will open up uh, better opportunities for current businesses that are here already. Restaurants, gas stations, convenience stores, uh, antique shops. Um, and I think that in turn will make our community open their eyes and say, wow, that we live in a fantastic location here. Uh, people want to come here for vacation. They want to come here to relax. You know, what can I do to make it a better community or how can I get more involved in this community? I like it. John, talk about developing programs. You know, if one of our uh, big watchers of education, leadership and beyond is watching the program, they say, you know, what? I'm going to I'm going to donate a million dollars. If someone walked in and gave us a check for a million. What would, what would you look to do with that money, and, and you know how how would you feel that it was best to spend that? I give you one simple answer. Uh, it's been my goal. I know it's been the mayor's goal, Mayor Kelly Decker, uh, to have a, a recreation center. We've got a great youth center. Don't get me wrong, but the community could really benefit from a true recreation center. And by that I mean a recreation a center with a gymnasium, where we could offer programs year round, whether it be basketball programs for youth adult volleyball, yoga, any kind of spin classes, you name it. Uh, we can create leagues, uh, which would help generate camaraderie in the community, generate some revenue. It would also give um, our community seniors, 
youth organizations a place to hold events yeah. and have weekly or monthly meetings. Um, we just lack that right now, and that's something I would love to. I would I would take it all and put it towards that. I know there are a lot of other issues, but I'll tell you, I think a, a really great rec center in a small community would do what does wonders. You know, you're saying that it clicked in my memory as a child that growing up at Staten Island, we had Cromwell Center. It was a pier out on the water. I'd be playing basketball. There'd be track teams running by. There'd be Taekwondo classes going on. They had a card center for the city. It was amazing. And uh, eventually it fell into the water. <laughs> one of the big storms knocked out one of the piers. And uh, any of my paisans from Staten Island that know Cromwell Center, they, you know, I played a lot of hoops on those courts. And uh, that's a fantastic idea. And uh, who knows, working with the school district, right? Could we, are we able to do something there? Well, I tell you, we've, we've got such a great working relationship with the school district. Uh, without that, we wouldn't be able to do half the programs we do from our winter basketball to our lunch program to our camps. So we are very fortunate that, and again, that comes back to a small community. Yeah. You know, New York City has hundreds, if not thousands of schools. You know, you know Port Jervis has one school. And the fact that the school and the city can work together um, really tra- truly makes us a great community. Well, and that, that leads us to our next question. And you heard my opening uh, concept, right? I talked about some different facets of the community, right? I, I mentioned the police, the uh, the schools, the youth, the people, the leadership, uh, the businesses. You know, if you had to list, say, the top three, John, yes, sir. What, what, what would they be in your mind? That they're all important, right? All the things are important. I know you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but if I if I said only top three, what, what, how would you put those in order? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the schools. I think especially in a small town, small city, uh, the school can create so much fantastic community pride. So I think for my, number, my number one would be school. My number two, I'm going to combine. I think you got youth and people, but I can combine youth with people. I really think that the people make a community. Mm-hmm. If you've got apathetic people, well, your community is going to suffer. If you've got people who are involved, interested, who love the community, who want to help, you're going to have a great community. Uh, and then third, you know, again, they're all important, uh, but I think a police department. Um, I think today's kids, uh, sometimes they, they have the wrong image of police. And I think if you've got a strong police department that is with the community, works with the community, is out in, in the schools, out in the community, um, I think that it changes your community, your, out, your outlook. And I think the youth will look at them differently. And I think that would, again, it would make the community a much better place to live. Yeah. And we've had uh, Chief Warden on. Uh, we have a great relationship with him, Deer Park Police. Um, he talked about developing relationships with the youth and uh, more of a, hey, we're in this together, not us versus them. Absolutely. That's uh, that's what it is. And yeah. uh, um, I, Chief Warden is, is a great person. I've known him all my life. And uh, uh, he loves this community. And um uh, he does a lot for it as well, and he he, he loves uh, working with the kids in the school. Along those lines, John, you know, the police tend to get a lot of negative light, right? Our society seems to people jumping on the Internet, Facebook. Hopefully you're talking positively about the show. Uh, we've gotten a few negative f- uh, comments, but uh, all in all, we se- seem to live in a very negative-focused society. Whereas when I work with you and I see the work you're doing, I see the relationships you have, you're very positive and you bring a positive spin, spin to things. Tell me about staying upbeat, staying positive with the work you're doing and all the things wrong that people can point out with kids. You're a very positive influence. Tell me about that aspect of your job. You know, one thing I think about all the time, Andrew, is that, you know, we're on this earth for such a short time. You know, we're on borrowed time. I, you know, uh, I lost my mom uh, when she was only 40. 
Um, I know you lost your father um, unexpectedly as well. So why waste that time we have being negative? There, there's, there's nothing's going to change. There's so many things in this world going on that we can't control. Yeah. We've got U.S. We have men and women in the U.S. military fighting overseas. They're, they're away from their families for six months, a year. They're losing their lives, losing their limbs. Uh, we've got problems with other countries in this world. Why are we going to be negative about an incident in Port Jervis or an incident at the school that's so small and compared to the world we're living in? So I guess, you know, that's my look at it uh, when it comes to my job. If something goes wrong, we fix it. Yeah, We fix it. You know, as long as we're doing anything to the best of our ability that we feel is best for the community, if it doesn't work, we'll find a way to fix it and we'll come with come back with something better. Same with when you're teaching, same with coaching. You'll, you'll find a solution to it if you work hard. But just that there's no reason to kind of put your head down and be negative or, or just kind of pout about it because uh, we're here for such a short borrowed time. And I know your players get that message from you and the kids around you. And I'm really, again, I talked about the relationships with the leadership in the community. It's nice to support one another. If I hear something negative about the youth programs or things like that, my answer is if Coach Faggione's involved, he would not let something like that go on. Uh, let's make sure he knows about it if you have a concern, things like that. Um, but, yeah, in, in a small town, there's a, a lot of things that are, are good about that. But sometimes it's upsetting when people get going with the rumors and hearsay and that kind of stuff. Very upsetting. And yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, again, we're on social media, so I don't want to bash social media. <laughs> but but it, a lot of that is a, is a big factor nowadays uh, before you get the true answers or the true information. Sure, sure. John, you mentioned coaching. And I do want to give a shout out to uh, the sponsor again. You got that magazine there? Yeah, you got sir. the journal? Um, again, we're going to talk about your coaching now. You were you were thumbing through this. Here's the uh, the coaching and leadership journal. My friend Dan Spanauer. Um, you're interested in it? Please go on his website, um, the leadershippublishingteam.com. ELB20. You're going to get a 20% off discount. Coach, this one's going to be for you. Uh, I had the June one on the ready. I don't know what I did with it. This is still the May version, uh, but a good aspect of it, if you do misplace uh, your hard copy, you do get an electronic copy as well. Uh, so I know you're interested, so I'm going to give this one to you. Appreciate uh, it. But that being said, as a coach, uh, John, man, I just handed you a resource. It's a fantastic resource. What are some other resources that you use as a coach to get ideas about plays, motivation, uh, things like that? What are some other resources that you use? A lot of my resources are, are really uh, on uh, on my own by watching other other schools, other teams, other coaches. Uh, but I do refer to a few uh, online social media. Uh, there's a coach named Coach Liesel or Liesel, L I S L E. He's worked with uh, he works with Major League Baseball teams. He's he's been a collegiate coach in his life. Um, he's very motivational. Um, he provides a lot of encouragement. Um, he has great quotes to use all the time, and, and that reflects your team and how they're doing. Um, I'm, I follow him on Facebook, on social media. Um, every every day he has something on his his page that has to relate to coaching and, and succeeding and how to deal with failure or mistakes. There's also another uh, social media Facebook. Uh, her name is Jen Schro. Jen Schro is a former college softball catcher, and now she has a catching academy, I guess, if you will. Wow. And she's out in California, but she always puts on her website the drills that she does. Uh, but what I find most important about her is the way she speaks to her kids, how motivating she is, mm. how inspiring she is, how much energy she has. And if you go onto her website and see these nine and 10 and 12 year old girls catching and doing things that you wouldn't expect a girl that young to be able to do, 
it's just very inspirational. So I watch those and I say to myself, if they can do this with these young ladies, how can we how come we can't do it with our 16 and 17 year old girls who are yeah. playing for us? Um, so those two are just very, very uh, good resources for me. Um, of course, I've go to a lot of different softball clinics and see a lot of different coaches speaking. And um, one of the best I've ever saw uh, was um, uh, boy, now I can't remember his name. Coach from Arizona and slipped my head. But one of the best of all time, I'll remember the so women's softball, women, women's college softball. Yeah. Okay. And, I'll, uh, you know, I'll get his name by the end of the show. We'll, get, we'll come back to it. But he was more speaking about coaching and life than he was about the X's and O's. Sure. And to me, I found that very relatable to what I do. And I try to use a lot, of, a lot of what he said that day in my everyday coaching experiences. John, you mentioned that these people's energy and their enthusiasm. You know, you coach with great passion. Right. Uh, we talked, you're an easygoing guy, but when you get between those lines, you, you're up a notch, you're intense, and you can see it in the players, the way they're sharp. Your players are sharp. Where does that passion come from? You know, obviously you didn't play softball. You might have played men's softball whatever, but did you play baseball coming up? And where, where did this passion for coaching softball come from? You know, it's funny. I, I didn't play baseball growing up. Um, I always opted to, when I was in high school, to work in the spring to make a little bit of money. Um but I think coaching in general or and, and uh, just the being fired up and being intense just comes from competing. Uh, when you have to play in high school sports, not everyone can go on and play college. I love playing sports. I love competing as a kid. Once I left the high school, that, that opportunity wasn't there anymore to play. So the next best is to coach. And, uh, you know, not knowing the sport of baseball or softball as much as maybe a former players, you got to go learn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started out at, you know, at the little league level and, and learned and uh, went online and learned. No, I'm sorry, not online. Back then, it really wasn't online. Sure. You know, there were books and magazines and articles and newspapers. And, you know, you really study the game. And then you kind of, you know, go to go to some resources around the area who've got experience with it. And, and um, you know, the passion never goes away, competing. It never does. Um, and even though you're not playing the game physically, you know, when you're coaching third base or you're in the dugout and you're making decisions on what kind of defensive play to call, that's still competing in my mind. Yeah. And when you see girls or players – succeed in what you've been teaching them all season long. It's just as good as if you did it yourself. It's a home run. It's probably more rewarding. I love it. And, and you know, that to talk about that competition. People ask about officiating a lot in my life. And, you know, there's that competition to get the call right. Mm. People say, oh, you like this team, you like that team. It's the competition, that athlete in you, to get the play right. And I, I can identify with what you uh, had said. Coach, you had mentioned a couple of people that you're looking online as resources and things like that. But is there a, is someone who's a, a mentor, a friend of yours, or someone who's close, whether they're local or even if it's through the computers, or someone that has become a mentor for you uh, that you, you go back to and ask advice, things like that? Uh, absolutely. There's more than one, actually. Uh, you know, growing up in a small community, you get to know a lot of different people who have been involved in, in, in the sport a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll go back to my early, early years. And my first opportunity to coach softball um, at, a, at a high level uh, was uh, Gary Spears. He's now the town supervisor in Deer Park. Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous youth coach uh, from youth football to youth uh, baseball. I'm sorry, youth softball. Tremendous coach. and uh, not, a, not a bad golfer either. No, not a bad golfer. The whole, the whole Spears family, not a bad golfing family. But he gave me my first opportunity to help coach with a uh, tournament team. Uh, Little League's regular season was over. He was coaching the tournament team. He gave me the opportunity to help out. And then that was, I was, uh, that was it. I was addicted to it. Um, and then after leaving Little League, uh, you know, local coaches here, you know, Mr. George Roman, you know, the, the softball field is named after him at Port Jervis. You know, one of the best resources you can go to. I still coach with him. 
We still coaching on weekends. Been on the program. Been on the program. Yeah, yeah. He, he had to cut it short because he had to go to practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke. I go, you forgot more than, of, about softball than, than I'll ever know. Yeah. Um, right across the river, Mr. Angelo Matz, who's uh, coaching at Delaware Valley for over thirty-three years. Mm-hmm. Um, his knowledge is, and, um, and in our relationship, we're close. We work together in the summer. And then our neighbor in Menacing Valley, Mr. Guyette. I mean, I'm surrounded by Mr. Guyette, who's got close to 600 queer high school wins, and Mr. Matz, who's got over 400, probably 50 coaching wins. Wow. So you can't go – you don't have to go very far, and you got over 1,000 wins. Oh, then I had George Rome with 200 wins. So, you know, look at the resources right in my own backyard. I can't be luckier. That's some all-star coaches, though. Uh, all-star. And then, you know, I, I always go back to and – and I, and I saw him at our championships game this year, and I made a point to go say hi, was uh, Bob Corvino. Bob Corvino, my former coach in football here at Port Jervis. And then I coached with him for up to, up, I think, like 11 years at the uh, Port Jervis, uh, the, the varsity level in Port Jervis. Um, I use a lot of his style today. You know, what he did and how he did things, I really still do today. And even though it's different sports. Old school. Old school. Yeah. Uh, I was a modified coach. And as a modified coach, you don't have to go to Bob. Bob Corvino had staff meetings every Sunday night to prepare for the week. Every Sunday night at 7 o'clock. So if you're watching that 4 o'clock NFL game and it goes to OT, you're going to miss it. <laughs> you're, you're going to Bob's house. So as a modified coach, you weren't expected to go to those meetings. I made the point to go to every one of them yeah. as a modified coach because I wanted to learn. Not knowing where my future would be, but I just wanted to learn. learn. So when I went out and did things that Bob asked, I knew what he, was doing, what he wanted, sure. what I had to do. And I just loved his organization, his organizational skills. I loved his communication skills. And um, I loved him being truthful. You know, sometimes you don't like the truth. But the truth is important, yeah. and uh, I like it. I was, I was, I saw him at our game, and I made the point to say hi and thank him for everything he's done for me. Certainly, would tell you how he felt. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Let me ask you this: You're talking about coaching football and some of these people. You know, is it different when you coach young ladies, uh, John? Do you have to go at a girl any differently than you might, you know, a teenage boy in football? Right? There's that mentality of, you know, testosterone and the guy, you know. Is it any different coaching young teenage girls? The big difference, and I got this from a very knowledgeable coach, is that girls have to feel good to play good, where boys have to play good to feel good. It's uh-huh. a big difference there. I, I got to write that down. <laughs> yeah, so, so girls have to feel good wow. to play good, and boys have to play good to feel good. And that's, for me, the only big difference. My approach to, to girls and boys is the same. Uh, one of the things I tell my girls all the time is that I'm a former football coach, so I'm going to come at you a little harder than maybe uh, a non-football coach. Yeah. And as a coach, you get to know your players. You know what player you can take heat at day after day. You know what players you know need to kind of not be coddled, but need to be kind of approached a different way. Boys or girls? Boys or girls? Yeah. Uh, yeah boys today too. Yeah. Um, but th- that's the major differences. And you know, if, if a girl, if we go down to practice and the girls are feeling good. Or game, we know we're going to do all right. I like it. But if they come down to the field and, you know, I had a fight with my boyfriend or my mom took away my cell phone, okay, we got to work through this now and kind of get them back on track. Where boys like, okay, you know what? My mom took my cell phone. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to knock the snot out of this kid, and I'm going to have a great game. There you <laughs> go. Know? There you go. John, again, we're talking about community, uh, so many things here that you're doing good. One of the things I'm learning is my kids are getting older, playing in the youth rec leagues, right, uh, coming up in the system. There's so much outside travel now, right? Travel sports. Correct. Uh, you coach not only in the community, at the high school level, you also coach a travel team. 
you know, talk to me about the balance of community programs versus travel programs. And is a travel program considered a community organization? Like what, you know, it, it depends on what travel program you're affiliated with. Uh, the travel program that we're, that I'm with the Tristan Angels, we really focus on Port Jervis and Delaware Valley girls. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have girls from Minnesink and yes, we have girls from Eldred. Um, but we really, our primary focus is to get our, our, our girls, Port Jervis and Delaware Valley playing. So for our travel program, it to me, it's, it's community-based. It's bringing communities together. Two right. communities together. Yeah. And when we play Delaware Valley every year, it's it's almost like a family reunion. Yeah. You know, you, you want to go out and win, but when the game's over, everyone's hugging, everyone's laughing, everyone's smiling. I like it. But there needs to be a balance. Uh, uh, in today's sporting, youth sports, there are too many travel teams, in my opinion. I yeah. really think. I think that there are a lot of kids, a lot of teams out there, they're not satisfied with a travel team they're on one year. So they go out and form their own team or they go out with their friends and they form their own team. So now you go from, let's just say 10 teams. Now next summer you look, there's 20 teams. So now you've got watered down teams. You've got kids who aren't being taught maybe the proper techniques or philosophies or styles or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then you're, you're really kind of getting some frustration among player amongst players. Um, and then I think that takes away from the community. Yeah, I think little league, Youth football, youth basketball, youth wrestling, so vital to your community. Yeah, It starts to teach the kids at a young age what school sports are about. As a youth wrestler, when they go to the wrestling every Tuesday and Thursday at the high school in the winter, they want to become Ed and Lubanics. They want to become varsity wrestlers. Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. your little league players. They want to become baseball players. They, they want to become softball players. And then you got your youth football league. They look up to the football players. And and so I think those those programs are so important to our community. But you have to balance everything. You've got to balance your school and your community and your travel and your and your education. There is such a thing as too much. There is. You know, the, the playing three different teams in one season is, to me, in my opinion, it's just too much. Yeah. You know, where are you going to balance it all? One of the things I love about Friday Night Lights, besides going to George Roman's house afterwards uh, for some pizza, um, how the youth football team welcomes in the, the varsity team. They hold hands with the little you know, the kids. They bring them in. It's, it's, it's such a great uh, – Tradition. It, it is. And uh, Jeannie Corcoran from the, the Port Jervis Little League, she has invited the uh, varsity baseball and softball teams every year to opening day. Yeah. Uh, and we go every year that we can. This year we're away at a tournament. But every year that we can go, we're there at 7 o'clock in the morning in our uniforms and we're welcoming all the Little Leaguers onto the field. And uh, um, I think it's great. I, I really do. I remember being a kid as well. And I wanted to be that player on the varsity football team when I was 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. And I, that doesn't change no matter what. John, speaking of traditions, we, we're up, uh, up against a tradition here and um, education, leadership, and beyond. It is the rapid fire portion of the show. It's a fan favorite. Uh, it's a guest favorite. I got people saying, I want to come on the show to Excellent. do the rapid fire. So uh, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Your quick answer, what comes to okay. mind first, okay? Your favorite sneak play in softball? Suicide squeeze. Love it. What is a Bush League play in softball? Something that, you know, is just – not very sportsmanlike. Bush League would be uh, travel ball when you play time games and you've got a team who's hanging on to a one-run lead and they're calling excessive timeouts at the end uh, for no reason. My uh, shoe's untied. Uh, the wind's uh, blowing the wrong direction. I've got dirt in my ear. That happens quite often. That's tough. It's tough, but that's tough. it happens. Uh, biggest pet peeve in coaching? Selfishness. Got to be a team player. No matter what. The three most important characteristics of a leader. Confidence. Knowledge. 
Motivation. Writing these down. Self-motivation or motivation towards others? You can use both. I was thinking more motivation towards being able to motivate your team. Mm -hmm. Thing you would argue uh, the most with with your twin brother, Mr. Tom Faggio. <laughs> NFL over English Premier Soccer. Get out, really? He, he's an English Premier Soccer guy. Okay. And even though the NFL is having their struggles, I'm an NFL guy. Still. Okay. I didn't know that yeah. about him. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a big hockey guy. Big right? hockey guy yeah. and a big English Premier guy. He's into the World Cup, though? You know, a good question. Not so sure about the World mm -hmm. Cup. English Premier is his thing. Tom, you watching? You're going to let us know here uh, about that? I say Fagione. I've heard you say Fagione. What is the correct 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 pronunciation? This is like the, the the oldest argument in the world. I don't know if there's a wrong or right answer. I say Fagione. <laughs> I say as an Italian, we always pronounce our last vowel, I always thought. That's right. Um, but you can say Fagione. Um, yeah. There are some that don't. You know, Corvino, Morada. Fagioni. I'm going with Fagioni. I like it. I go with the vowel. Red men to red storm. Did you have strong feelings about that? You know, St. John's, uh, was that meaningful to you or you didn't, that didn't hit home? Well, the answer is very easy. Red men all the way. Uh, that name was changed my senior year. So yes, Ooh. it is personal. Um, uh, the red men came from what I believe was the 1920s or so era. The football team dressed in red, head to toe. So they were dubbed the Redmen. Somewhere along the way, American Indian became a mascot. That's where the trouble ensued. Mm. And that's when they had a change of name. There was a big uh, survey being done, and people could bring in suggestions. And they came out with Red Storm. But um, I finished as a Redman in 94, May of 94. The Redmen, I think, started in May of, of September 94. Wow. So I'm a Redman. Redmen, Red Raiders. We went through some chatter with this here. I, I, I'm still taking a, a beating from the <laughs> – I went to a high school where we went from Red Raiders to Raiders. I went to a college. I went from Red, Red Men to Red Storm. <laughs> and my favorite NFL team is the Washington Redskins. So, yeah, I'm going three for three right now. <laughs> the best thing about going to school at St. John's? Two things. Basketball. Luke Connors is up there. Arena. My parents, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go wrong there. Yeah. And um, the opportunities that St. John's offers, being located in New York City, I was able to do some great internships uh, in Long Island and New York City that you really can't get if you're in the middle of the state at a small school. Love it. Best thing about Port Jervis? Small town feeling. I love it. You know, the uh, remember the TV show where everybody knows your name? Cheers. Mm -hmm. Where everybody knows your name. Love it. An area of growth for Port Jervis? I would think positiveness. I think that too much negativity yeah. uh, is, is said about Port Jervis, is said by Port Jervians who might be here. Um, look for ways to make it not negative instead of just coming out with a negative answer. Be part of the solution, not part of a problem. Mm, I like that, Coach. An area of growth for John Fagione. 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 Procrastination. It's a it's a killer, and I still do it, and I try hard not to. Um, and let me put it this way. I procrastinate with certain things, other things I don't. Um, my, my softball team, we never procrastinate <laughs> for some reason. There are other aspects I procrastinate on and working on hard not to do that anymore. You know what Dr. Gilbert would say from the success hotline? What's that now? Start right now. Start right now. That's it. Yeah. Start right now. Um, the best thing that you would say about coaching? I'd love seeing the kids be successful and happy. 
Um, we just won the Section 9 championship this past early June. It's a great accomplishment. And Well, thank you. And it, it was the most rewarding thing of that day was seeing the girls celebrate on the field with each other. And then it also seems so with their parents. You know, I'm, I'm pretty – I'm a pretty stoic guy. I'm, I'm not a rah-rah guy. And uh, I couldn't even talk about the game. I broke down. So yeah. it was just very exciting to see them win after all the struggles they had. Coach, we are up against the end of the show. You did a great job uh, on the program today. Uh, I hope you like that resource of the Coaching and Leadership Journal. Fantastic. I, you know, I hope you like it. And uh, certainly we told you where to get a copy. I forgot my book recommendation today. Uh, but if you're listening on iTunes and, and we'll get it out on Facebook, he's coming on. My book recommendation is Lead with Culture by Jay Billy. Uh, it's a fantastic book. He just sent me a copy, and uh, it's about being positive and leading with culture and um, creating an environment for that. So that's Lead with Culture by Jay Billy. And um, here's a quote. You are stronger than your fears, and you are better than your failures. Enthusiasm is contagious. Start an epidemic. You are stronger than your fears and better than your failures. And enthusiasm is contagious. Start an epidemic. I got an enthusiastic guy right here, Coach Fagione. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having Great on. Time. I know a lot of your family and friends will be tuning in and uh, wishing our best to PJ Rec. Thank get, you. Let me get this music queued up. And uh, I'm going to have to play your show along with uh, your brother's show, and we'll, uh, we'll have a playoff. <laughs> Signing off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond surviving and thriving. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Go out and change the world for the better. Thank you, everyone. All right, everyone. Have a great uh, afternoon. Thanks for tuning in.